Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. Canelo, Charlo, special picks and money punch edition. Uh, we have one day to go. Big undisputed clash at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas between Canelo Alvarez and Jamel Charlo. And in this podcast, we'll give our thoughts on the way in, look at our favorite bets, and we'll make our official picks for your fight. But before we get to that, we have a couple of significant pieces of news. And Eric, let's begin with the big one. Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk have been signed for all the heavyweight marbles. The fight will take place at the Kingdom Arena in Saudi Arabia. A date that is yet to be confirmed. Eric, I take it Francis Ngannou is not expected to be much of an obstacle to Fury uh, next month. Uh, apart from that, any thoughts on this fight being announced? I do wonder if on the very, very, very remote chance that Fury loses to Angano if the deal with Usyk is then off. Um, it, it's so remote that it's probably not worth wondering about, um, but it, you know, it has crossed my mind. But no, you know, he is not going to lose a boxing match to an MMA fighter. Um, so, as for Fury Usyk getting signed, I'll come back to what I've said all along about the Ngannou sideshow. I don't mind Fury fighting Ngannou if he fights Usyk next. He's fighting Usyk next. Great. Then I don't mind, you know, him getting paid heaps of money for the Nganu cakewalk. And and bear in mind, I keep blowing off Nganu's chances, having never seen Nganu fight. This is based purely on knowing how good Fury is and how hard it is for a non-boxer to become elite at boxing overnight. Uh, but anyway, the main topic here is Fury, Usyk. And I will just say it's fantastic for the sport of boxing. Um, I wish it wasn't in Saudi Arabia, but that ship has sailed and I just have to get used to it. This is what boxing needs. It's what boxing fans need. An undisputed heavyweight champion. That doesn't happen often enough. The fans deserve it. The sell-by date has definitely not passed. So uh, even if it's coming on a slight delay, full credit to both fighters for getting it done. And and by the way, uh, the tried and true to tradition of announcing a big fight on the eve of some yeah. other big fight lives on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, look, honestly, color me shocked. I was not expecting this at mm. all. Um, only yesterday, Fury, Fury was on a podcast reiterating that he saw no value in facing either Usyk or Anthony Joshua. And now here we are. A reminder not to believe anything anybody no. in boxing ever says about anything anywhere ever. Um, <laughs> but especially re- Tyson Fury. Especially Tyson Fury. I honestly didn't think he had any particular interest in making this fight, uh, given that he is clearly all about the Benjamins at this stage in his life. And you know, on the one hand, why not? Um, but I, I genuinely thought, as someone admittedly who doesn't know Tyson Fury, has never met him, that he had convinced himself that the Usyk fight wasn't necessary to his legacy, um, that it was insufficiently lucrative. Um, So the fact that it's apparently happening uh, at a date to be determined that perhaps will, to some extent, be influenced by whether there's a freak injury or a cut against Mm. Ngannou, to follow on from your point, maybe that's the reason for the slight delay in the the date there. Um, But the fact that it's happening, I, I, I agree with you. It's phenomenally good news. And the capper on what has been a tremendous year of boxing. Um... And I'll just follow up on that point that you made. The downside, the only downside, and it's a huge downside, is that it's taking place in Saudi Arabia. And as you said, look, such is the flood of Saudi sports washing at this point. Did you even see that um, Saudi Prince uh, MBS even came out and basically used the word and said, yeah, we're going to keep sports washing. What are you going to do about it? In an interview <laughs> no, the other day. I haven't seen that. Uh, 
Yeah, such is the flood of it that, you know, with soccer now, as well as golf and boxing and Formula One and whatnot, that outside of folks like you and me, the awfulness of all of that will garner nary a mention. Important for us to mention it, but yes. the important thing is, from a boxing perspective, Fury and Usyk is apparently about to happen, or yeah. it's going to happen in the next few months, which is fantastic. Yep, it sure is. Um, we do have one other piece of news to report. Um, Hall of Fame broadcaster Colonel Bob Sheridan died on Thursday at the age of 79. Sheridan had covered fights from ringside for decades. The sheer numbers of fights and title fights he broadcast, <laughs> it is staggering. Kieran, I know you knew him a little, so is, is there anything you'd like to say about the Colonel? Yeah, well, first of all, to follow up on that point, um, he said that, by his count, it was 20,000 fights in total by the end that he had he had broadcast. Um, he got his break in Florida. He had somehow managed as a young age to uh, find a way to be a, a, a play-by-play announcer for the Miami Dolphins. And then Chris Dundee came across him somehow, uh, brother of Angelo and promoter. He started calling some of Chris Dundee's fights in 1972. Before you knew it, Don King had found him. And in 1974, I think at the age of 30, uh, he was calling the Rumble in the Jungle. And it kind of went from there. Colonel was a character, to put it mildly. Um, he was for a while a rodeo rider. He was a cattle farmer for a while. Um, he found out a while back that he had a son in Ireland. Um, he lived a hard and wild life. He had uh, four cardiac arrests, uh, a number of angioplasties. He had one heart attack on the morning of what became the bite fight. He was so determined to call Tyson Holyfield too. he checked himself out of hospital against doctor's wishes the day he had the heart attack and made sure he was ringside to call the fight. Um, he really enjoyed his work. He had his critics. He was, after all, the house broadcaster for King and for a while for Bob Arum. Um, he prepared himself thoroughly. He loved carrying a long show by himself. He loved to do all the fights on the card by himself without a partner. Uh, liked to be one of those classic old school radio announcers painting a picture with his words. Um, Look, he probably went on too long. Some of you may remember that things went a little pear-shaped with uh, a fight that he commentated on mm -hmm. uh, last year. But, you know, that that happens, and I don't think we should focus on that. I think it's worth remembering him for all the fights that he did call uh, very well, and for the fact that he was really nice to, to folks in, in the boxing world. Uh, and he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2015, and certainly quite the towering figure in boxing media. Uh, he was always very kind to me personally. And so I would just like to wish him, you know, to rest in peace. Um, all right, let's switch gears to the big event tomorrow. Uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Jamel Charlo in an undisputed versus undisputed matchup. The junior middleweight champion versus the super middleweight champion. Um, the fighters have all just weighed in. I don't think we need to go through the whole card. Um, Eric, safe to say that everybody made weight. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess the main event weights are of interest because, you know, Charlo is moving up two weight divisions. But they both weigh the same, 167.4 pounds. Uh, any thoughts at all from watching that weigh-in? Well, you know, I always have some observations, some of them pertinent, some of them the opposite of pertinent. But uh, just so just a few <laughs> things jotted down here. Yeah, the, 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 the headline here is what you just said, that they weighed the same. So for what it's worth, there is no bigger man in this fight officially on Friday. Maybe there will be Saturday, but on Friday, they weighed in the same 167.4. Uh, Canelo always looks good in those pajamas. Uh, those <laughs> Dolce Gabbana, I assume they're pajamas. They look like pajamas to me. Um, I'm sure that they are 
worth more than everything I own in my closet. Um, exactly. But, uh, the and thing they're that's... probably his single-use pajamas. Right. right. <laughs> He'll throw them out. He won't even bring them yeah. back to Mexico with him. Right. Um, the thing that stood out about Charlo is that he was looking almost too calm, like weirdly calm leading yeah. into this, um, but uh, got a little less calm as our friend Brian Campbell asked him some questions and uh, provoked him uh, until he was uh, declaring himself a bad motherfucker, which was <laughs> certainly the most animated moment of uh, an otherwise uh, straightforward way in. Uh, so a, a couple other things that I jotted down just uh, regarding, again, you're right, we don't need to like run through all the undercard weights. Everyone made weight, but uh, a few notes. One, Jimmy Lennon's voice just soothes my soul. Oh God, yes, <laughs> I, so I, much so. I may, I, I may make some sort of recording of him reading something and and fall asleep to that uh, henceforth. Um, Good night, Moon. <laughs> ooh, that would that's the perfect thing, right? If I can get him to uh, to read Good Night, Moon, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I noted that he referred to Brian Campbell as the respected combat sports broadcaster, Brian Campbell. Now, the respected. It's not the classy, but the respected right. is fine. I, I think yeah. Brian will probably settle for that. A um, lot, of, lot of respectful handshakes between the undercard fighters. No, no fireworks there. And my, my last very important note here uh, for Jesus Ramos, Jesus Mano Ramos, uh, that's his nickname. The closed captioning had Mano Ramos as Mama's Dramas. I don't know if you caught that one, but uh, the, the artificial intelligence has not perfected it just yet, Karen. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to make some official picks for the pay-per-view card? Uh, I am leading our little competition 66-64. So I'll go first, and we'll begin with the opening bout on the card, a middleweight 10-rounder between 15-0 Elijah Garcia and 14-1 Armando Resendez. On the Monday pod, I said this was the undercard fight that really had my attention. It just feels like it cannot miss from a stylistic perspective. I do wonder whether Resendez is at this level. We, we have every reason to believe Elijah Garcia is an elite prospect. We can't know for sure, but he, he looks that way for now. And Resendez may be right at that level, ready to go punch for punch with him, or he may prove slightly lacking at this level. Um, I think we are going to see some heavy leather exchanged. I think Resendez showed a lot of toughness against Jared Hurd taking his punches. I suspect he won't have quite as easy a time taking Garcia's that they will start to get to him after a little while. It won't be a quick first, second, third round kind of knockout, I don't think, even though Garcia has power. I think this will go a few rounds in, but eventually... They will have exchanged enough punches that Garcia's are going to start to wear Resendez down and the difference in class will show. I am picking Elijah Garcia to stop Armando Resendez in round six. Um, I, first of all, as we said before, I love all the fights on this card and a lot of them are very hard to pick. Uh, I think these two are, I think this is an exciting fight. I think they're seemingly on paper fairly evenly matched. They're two very talented young fighters. They both look strong in the most recent outings. I do, however, agree with you that I have a feeling that Garcia is the guy with the higher ceiling here. And I also think that he's the one with the more experience against the higher caliber of opponent. Uh, I also agree that it's going to be quite a firefight. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I do think that after the first half of the fight, it's going to be clear that Garcia is the better one of the two of them. I'm going to pick Resendez to make it to the end, and I'm going to pick Garcia 
by unanimous decision in the uh, undercard opener. Okay. Um, the next fight is 12 rounds of welterweight action. Ordenis Ugas versus Mario Barrios. Another fight I absolutely love. Look, I've long been high on Barrios. I was high on him before he faced Javante Davis. I was high on him after he lost to Davis. The last of Keith Thurman troubles me a little bit. And maybe, just maybe, I overrated him a bit. Or maybe he's gone up as high in weight as he can. He did start at like 122 pounds, after all. Interestingly, despite the fact that he's the taller man, Barrios is the shorter reach for only the second time in his career. Um, Ugas lost badly to Spence, who lost badly to Crawford. Ugas' most recent big win was against Manny Pacquiao, who was literally at the end of his career. It would seem reasonable to favor Barrios here. But I think there's evidence that might be growing to suggest that there's ever so slight a soft underbelly to Barrios at the very highest level. And so I'm going to pick Ordenis Ugas to stop him late in a fight that Ugas up until that point is losing. Hmm. Ordenis Ugas, TKO 11. Okay. Uh, so first fight, I picked KO. You picked unanimous decision, but we were on the same fighter. For this fight, you picked Ugas by KO. I am picking Ugas by unanimous decision. We're flipping okay. roles here. <laughs> um, this has always struck me from the moment these undercard fights were announced. I've had the easiest time picking this one. The hmm. I, Not to spoil what's coming up in the money punch at all. We'll, we'll be discussing odds. But I'll just note that the odds on this are the closest of the three undercard fights. Barrios is the underdog, but by the smallest margin of the three undercard fights. But... I've gravitated toward Ugas from the very start. I felt like he is a, a class above that. There are questions about coming back from the Spence fight, the injury, the long layoff that we haven't seen him in a while. So I suppose there is a possibility that the Ordenis Ugas we see in the ring Saturday night is not exactly the one we remember. But the one that I remember is just a superior boxer to Barrios, mm -hmm. can do more things, more versatile, more skillful. Uh, I, I, I just... I see Barrios. He's got a big heart. I see him, and and he has uh, some some skill as well. Certainly, I, I see him competing, trying hard, hanging in there. Yeah. But I just don't really ever see him uh, asserting much authority or or winning too many rounds. I think this is going to be Ugas, but that he won't be able to put together the punches to stop Mario Barrios. I, I'm, so I'm saying uh, Ugas by a fairly clear cut unanimous decision. Okay. Now, let's get to the fight that's been giving you sex dreams. Oh, I believe yeah. that's what you said, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Erotic was the dream. Erotic. Okay, sorry. I, I Americanized it. You had it, you had it, you had it a little class to the way you said it, and I screwed it up. Erotica, uh, as they yes. say in France. <laughs> so it is Jesus Ramos Jr., who is 20-0, against Erickson Lubin, who is 25-2. And this really is a fantastic fight. I haven't had any sex or erotic dreams myself, but... <laughs> Um, about anything I, or just specifically about this fight? <laughs> specifically about this fight. Okay. Uh, sure. Yes. No, they're, they're I, sure. I dream from time to time. Who doesn't? Um, but, uh, no, this, this fight has not, uh, moved, moved me in that way, but it's put me right at the precipice of that. I'm, I'm as excited as you can be without, uh, <laughs> dreaming about it. Um, it's just such a fascinating matchup. Uh, the question for me all along has been the sturdiness of Lubin. Uh, that's mm -hmm. that's that's the thing that worries me. We've seen him get stopped in one round. Uh, we've seen him get dropped uh, against Fundora and and battle through it and um, you know uh, 
given everything in that fight that he went through, what Kevin Cunningham said, that he doesn't really view it as a knockout. I understand that, that he was not truly knocked out, but he did get beaten up pretty good. But the, the, the chin remains a question mark. And I just, Ramos is just such a strong kid. Um, and, and so I see the kind of fight where I think it's, we're not, this is, you often like to, to ask when we're discussing certain fights, are we going to know early on mm. who's going to win mm. this fight that we may know two rounds in who's going to win. This isn't that kind of fight to me. This is a fight Agreed. where the early rounds could go any which way. I could see Lubin building a lead. I could see Ramos taking control from the start. I'm not really sure what to expect on that front, but I just feel like inevitably Ramos is going to get to him. And uh, so my pick on this one in a really exciting and dramatic fight is that Jesus Ramos makes that leap to becoming a true contender with an eighth-round knockout of Erickson Lubin. We're very close on this one. Um, yeah, look, I'm very excited by this fight, as, I, as I've made very clear. Uh, I think it'll be a real firefight. I, I think it will be skillful. I think Ramos is going to have to take more un incoming artillery than he's been used to, more pressure than he's been used to. Uh, Lubin's really going to test him early, I think. You might even start the stronger and the faster and put Ramos under pressure. But I do agree with you. I think the ever so slight vulnerability of Lubin is a factor here. And the fact that Ramos is an absolute tank, as well as being clearly very skilled. Uh, I think he will take that Lubin advance, stop it, turn it around. It'll be an incredibly exciting fight that will get the crowd completely jazzed at the main event. Mm -hmm. Ramos wins it by stopping Lubin in round six, according to this guy. All right. And that brings us to the main event. And Eric, I got to tell you, um, on paper, Charlo is exactly the kind of guy to give Canelo fits. He's long. He's tall. He's fast. He has a great jab. He can move well. I've long thought that either Charlo would have been a nightmare opponent for either Gil Canelo or Golovkin. But the problem for both brothers lately has been inactivity. And there's also a bit of a question mark about their lifestyles, about their dedication to the craft. They both drink, um, reportedly sometimes to excess uh, when they're not in camp. And that can be problematic when you come up against an ascetic like Canelo. Um, conversely, I think that the Canelo decline is real. And I think that it's only going to pick up pace. Um, there's you only just so many tough fights you can be in, even if you win the vast majority of them before it starts to tell. Um, normally with a Canelo fight, if I'm thinking the opponent has a shot, the question to me is the judging, which tends to give Canelo the benefit of the doubt, to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. That said, we have a very good bunch of judges on Saturday night, led by the redoubtable Steve Weisfeld, and they will do the right thing, I think. This is going to be a tense intro, not necessarily a, not, it's not going to be a knockdown, drag out brawl. It, it's not necessarily going to be a, oh my God, we have to watch the highlight reel of this. It's going to be a skillful fight. Two men trying to impose very different styles on the other. But to pick up from a point that you made during our Monday pod, Canelo seems to tire late in fights more. And the other point you made that I think is extremely apposite here gets hit more than he did mm -hmm. uh, it, his defense used to be the base of his offense and that's just not there quite enough and you know what i think charlo might just take advantage of it i think it will be very close but jamel charlo has what it takes to overcome an increasingly hittable canelo and win by a majority decision wow 
I love it. Look at this guy. You're a bad motherfucker, Man. Kieran. Fast, right? <laughs> I am wow. only. Well, Pussycat's only. <laughs> right, but not when it comes to this pick. I, uh -huh. I, uh, you know, I don't drop f bombs uh, too frequently, but uh, this this is worth it. You are a bad motherfucker picking the man who declared himself <laughs> a bad motherfucker. Good for you. I thought about it. I really did consider it. I do consider him a very live underdog in this fight, but in the end, I couldn't quite get there like you and pull the trigger on that that bold upset pick. I do think it's going to be a tough fight for Canelo. I think the style is difficult. I think Charlo's going to use the jab well. I think he's going to going to win himself some rounds. It's going to be a competitive fight that goes back and forth a bit. Um, they're both patient fighters. So we may even have a case where the first few rounds are kind of tough to score. And, yep. and, and you're wondering, what are, what are we seeing? Who's, who's got the lead here through four or five? Um, I could see Charlo actually then maybe even starting to to build a lead. Um, I think, though, that, you know, we see we see this with fighters that I agree that Canelo is past his absolute best. Uh, we've, we've been saying that since the Bivol fight and then kind of saw some mm -hmm. degrees of confirmation of it in the Golovkin fight, the third fight, and the, and the John Ryder fight. He has definitely slowed down. As a fighter gets a little older, they usually have that one great win left in them. Yep. That, that the, you know, I'm thinking of a, Pernell Whitaker pulling it out against Diabellis Hurtado when he was yep. on his way to an unexpected loss. Whether or not he's quite behind on the cards, I think it will at least be close as we hit the championship rounds. And then I just think Canelo's going to break through. I could see maybe a body shot getting to Charlo and, and setting him up. Or maybe that counter left hook gets in at the perfect time as Charlo gets a little sloppy with a jab and, and the counter catches him. I feel like Canelo's going to pull this one out late. Uh, he hasn't had a knockout in the last few fights, but I think he is going to get one here. It will not be easy, but I am taking Canelo Alvarez via fairly dramatic 11th round stoppage of Charlo. Nice. So we have some nice, strong disagreement there. We'll see where the picks competition stands at the end of this. Uh, but it's not just about making straight up picks. It's also uh, putting your hard-earned cash on the line and making some bets. Uh, we did label this as a money punch pod, so let's talk some betting odds. Depending on the sports book, Canelo's been about a four to one favorite. He's actually moved to minus four seventy five at DraftKings at last check, whereas Charlo was three to one or so most of the week, now plus three fifty at DraftKings. Um, my favorite bet on this fight. Well, I have two. Uh, I, I have a more traditional best bet and a wacky as all hell prop bet. Um, and actually, <laughs> actually, first I'll interrupt myself to say my favorite bet of the weekend is Otto Valin over Murat Gassiev. I am flabbergasted oh, yeah. that I found Valin as high as a plus 260 underdog in a fight where I thought he'd be the slight favorite. So wagers have been made. Big wagers by my standards. We're talking 1.5 pizzas on the line there. Uh, but uh, yeah, but uh, back to the topic at hand. Canelo, Charlo, my best bet here, given that I just picked Canelo to win by late KO, how could I not love Canelo by KO in round 7 through 12, which I saw as high as plus 500. Just way too high a number on a fighter in Canelo who has 13 knockouts in his career in the eighth round or later. And as long as he's more or less still some facsimile of the Canelo we know and love, I think he can ramp up the pressure, like I said, late and get uh, another late knockout here. Um, all that said, I wouldn't touch him at minus 475 to win. I'd much sooner take Charlo to pull the upset at plus 350. But, uh, but my best bet on this is the KO in round 7 to 12. Now for the wacky bet. 
Okay. Are you sitting down, Kieran? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if both Canelo and Charlo find themselves sitting down sometime mm -hmm. in the first six rounds of this fight, if each guy scores at least one knockdown between rounds one and six, that pays at one sports book that I will not name because it's not sponsoring this pay-per-view event. <laughs> but that prop at one sports book, it's plus 18,000, which means Holy cow. 180 to one. Uh, wow. I know this scenario is a long shot. You know, Canelo has never been officially knocked down, but 180 to one. You can bet one wow. slice of pizza and win 180 slices of pizza. Um, what we want here is Jermel to score a flash knockdown early, and then Canelo gets up steaming and tries for a revenge knockdown mm -hmm. of his own, something like that. It could happen. I, I think I think more than once in every 180 times that you play out this fight, they'll both touch the canvas in the first round. So I, I, I think there's actually some value there. Remember for Crawford Spence, I talked about a knockdown in the first four rounds at 16 to one. And we agreed eh, it's kind of crazy, but that is a good number and, <laughs> and it hit. So I'm telling yeah. you 180 to one is just too long a price on this. So I, I, there's just what a, what a fun sweat that'll be. I don't think it's going to win, but I would hate myself if I didn't bet it. Wow. And it's one of those where you could be on the edge of your seat till the very end of the, of the six rounds, at least right. Of the first yeah. six. Yes. Wow. Okay. I like that. All right. Okay. I've got a couple. Okay. None of them that nuts. <laughs> um, so um, notwithstanding my pick, I do think that Charlo is rightly the underdog. Um, I don't, but I don't know that he's quite as big a dog as he, you know, as he is in those sports books. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned that he's about plus 350 straight up. Um, I really don't think that even if he wins, He's going to win by stoppage uh, or I, I just think it's it's not super likely it's right. possible, but it's not super likely. Right. So what I quite like, if you fancy putting your money where my mouth is when it comes to <laughs> Jamel Charlo, DraftKings has him at plus 550 to win by decision or technical decision. I think that's better than plus 350 straight up, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, I would take that. I'm, I, it's wide enough that I would be tempted to actually, if Vermont was ready to enable me to do that, which it isn't quite. <laughs> it's coming um, soon. I would be ready to. It's coming soon, you tell me. But yes. um, not not just yet. So I, I quite like that. Um, another one that I actually thought was kind of cool and quirky until you did yours um, <laughs> is for Charlo to be knocked down twice and Canelo to win. Super hmm. imaginable, right? Yeah. Not an implausible scenario whatsoever. DraftKings is offering plus 900 for that okay i think that's pretty i mean that's not implausible mm -hmm. not at, at all, all right yeah. yeah i think that's decent i uh i might put some of your money on that <laughs> some of my money yeah not your money my money right because i can so <laughs> okay. you know i'll put yours on with you know i mean i get the pizza yeah that, that, that's not, you... that's not how this works if it's my money we're risking it i'm the one who keeps the winnings well, I don't like that idea at all. <laughs> all right, we'll discuss this off air. <laughs> Probably best. But there you go. But that's my that's my slight. What I thought was a nice, slightly uh, out of the out of the normal uh, uh, prop until you just blew me out of the water with your <laughs> your crazy prop. Hundred eighty uh, to one, baby. Oh my god! Imagine if that hit. Oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that will do it for this Canelo Charlo preview pod. Uh, if you haven't listened to our podcast on Monday, please feel free to do so. As we've got a more detailed breakdown of the card, uh, be sure to check out 
All Access, Canelo versus Charlo, which is available on all Showtime digital and streaming platforms. The Showtime pay-per-view countdown featuring three more undercard bout streams on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel. Beginning at 2.30 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, the pay-per-view itself kicks off at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And we will be back bright and early, very, very early Sunday morning with our reactions. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.